What is up, Brad fans? Thank you for being here. Um, this episode, you have both Brads. Both Brads are here to ring in the new year. So happy new year, everybody. Um, instead of doing like predictions and this kind of thing, we sort of just did a general look back at the year and tried to put an optimistic spin on what was a challenging year for everybody. So we took the approach that, you know, there was actually a lot of good that comes out of a challenging situation or that can come out of a challenging situation. So we sort of talked about what might be the lessons learned uh, moving forward, how we could turn a negative into a positive. Um, and yeah, just sort of our general thoughts about this situation this year and what we hope to see moving forward. So thank you very much everyone who listened last year who started listening last year who's been listening since the beginning this is now i think the third or fourth year um of the podcast so our sincerest thanks to you uh for tuning in and we are going to be unveiling new ways to get in touch with the show if you want to get in touch with the show so of course there is always um twitter and instagram at two brad for you uh there is also the email to brad for you at gmail.com and now you can leave us a voice message so you can do that by going to the website to brad for you.wordpress.com and there's a link there to a service called speakpipe where you can leave a short message uh, we will get that message and we will play the messages uh, on the show uh, so, like I said, you can go to the homepage, tobradforyou.wordpress.com, and there's a link there, or you can go directly to SpeakPipe, www.speakpipe.com slash tobradforyou. So, plenty of ways to get in touch with us. We really want to hear from you this year. Let us know um, your thoughts on what we're talking about, what you would like us to talk about, anything, really. We're open to it all. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So again, uh, at Two Brad for You on Twitter and Instagram, Two Brad for You at gmail.com, or hit us up on the website Two Brad for You WordPress.com, where you can find the link to our messaging service, Speakpipe.com/slash Two Brad for You. All right, folks, enjoy. Dude, happy new year. Happy new year. I, I, at one point, Flash, I didn't think we were going to get to 2021. I thought world and life was just going to end at 2020 and that was it. Job oh, done. One of those. One of those pessimistic types, are you? Not so much pessimistic. I saw it on social media somewhere. World was going to uh, end and I always <laughs> believe what I read on social media. So, Good. 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 If there's one thing we learned about 2020, it's that social media is filled with tons of factual information that we should all base our decisions emotions lives all of that around right it, it, well, basically if i can't find a you know a peer-reviewed journal i go to wikipedia next and if i can't find anything there i go to twitter and other social media outlets and basically i'm thinking in 2021 i'm going to invert that and always start with social media and then work my way down to peer-reviewed journals at some other uh, point you know i could actually see uh benefits of both methods yeah yeah i'm, <laughs> I I, I'm a convert Hey, hey, work for Donald Trump. You know, he's still president, right? For a little while longer, yeah. Yeah, 
well, for a little while longer. You know, until you know the next court case overturns all the votes that were cast in uh, right. Biden's favor. It's, it's always the next one, right? Like the first twenty-four didn't work, but uh, the next one, the next one could be it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're actually recording this on January first, so this is like genuinely a happy New Year's and a happy New Year's to all of the listeners. Thanks. This is what like year three or four now that we've been doing this. So this, who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Not me. No, not me either. But you know, <laughs> and based on some of the comments we got from the early episodes, probably not the listeners either. But you know, yeah. But I wanted like we should shout out to you know the loyal listeners. If there's people that have been here since the beginning, uh, we appreciate it. And this year has been pretty good, I think. You know, we we tried to keep the content up. Um, it's been maybe a little easier just because we've all been stuck at home. But there was also plenty of distractions. So I thought, you know, good job, Brad. We've done a good job. Yeah, I think a virtual pat on the back. I think um, I think we also broke with some of the mainstream media and we tried to stay away from uh, COVID and coronavirus for a large portion of last year just to try and give listeners a little bit of respite from it everything that was going on in the world. Um, we we tried. It was very difficult to do at times, but I feel like we did maybe, you know, there was some episodes I did solo where I was trying to, you know, provide a little more information around some topics and stuff. We also broke from it and did our usual thing. Um, we also brought in some other characters this year. Jared was on yeah. the show quite a few times. Hopefully he'll be back again soon. He's always entertaining. Robbie doing the politics episodes. We'll have another one of those up real soon with those guys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought it hopefully brought more perspectives. Yeah, maybe it's all the same perspective, middle-aged white dudes. But, hey, uh, but with I our, think... our respective spin on it, which is, you know, hopefully what the listeners are here for, because if they just want pure yeah. facts, go and read it themselves. Yeah, exactly. I hope uh, I hope they enjoyed the little bit of personality that we tried to bring to it. So yeah, uh, and we you know we hit like what I think like eighty seven on the Natural Science podcast charts in Canada. Ooh, you kept that one quiet. I didn't realize. Well, you know that there surely there should be at least t shirts, if not a certificate. Boom. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll make the mugs. Yeah. I'll print it, put it on. Show mugs. That should be the next step forward, I think. I'd definitely be up for one of those. This is definitely the kind of show that has show mugs, but it's like everyone's like, what's in that mug? Is it coffee or is it brandy? Could be either. And I think that's something that all of us, you know, while working at home through this pandemic, have mastered the technique of (laughs) using a coffee mug to conceal whatever you're drinking so that colleagues and bosses have no idea that you're actually getting totally smashed while at work. Yeah, I mean it's it's an age old practice. You you had to be much smoother at it when you actually had to go to the office. Now you don't even really have to be wearing pants. So no, uh, well, and that was one of the good things for when I was in the office. One of the techniques I mastered was you know keeping it in a to go cup because then the fumes from the alcohol didn't quite go away so much. Whereas now it's just half a leather. I just put booze in my cup and I'm away. Yeah. <laughs> As long as the kids aren't staying home uh, doing Zoom school, what's the what's the harm, right? Exactly. And now I haven't got to worry about driving home from the office while absolutely blasted on alcohol. So, you know, <laughs> it's a win-win for everyone. You know, if there's going to be positives from this pandemic, let's make that number one. Uh, yeah. You know, here's a slight detour. It's a, a thought I had the other day uh, watching one of these old uh, – I can't remember old what movies? the TV – 
Right? No, it was a t- I, It was either Mad Men or something. You know, one of these TV shows that's set in like uh, the fifties, sixties, and stuff when like day drinking was totally acceptable and stuff like that. And I was saying to my lovely wife Teresa, you know, maybe I was born in the wrong decade because like I feel like I could have thrived in the six fifties and sixties. You know, like tall, sociable white male who can hold his liquor. You know, it's like success i would have had just all of the success you know well everything goes full circle flash so don't give out hope just yet keep it keep up the practice so that when it does come full circle you're the first out of the blocks to get a running start when when the world once again wants yeah tall average looking socially you know socially literate uh day drinkers yeah yeah i'll be ready you'll be the first to get the call (laughs) well we didn't see that so much this year but I don't know. What do, you, what do you? Let's do this. Let's do a little retrospective. You know, cue the retrospective music. Right? We'll bring yeah. it up. A little bit of Coldplay in the background, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! We don't have the license for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some <laughs> nondescript band. Yeah. In the Something background. Something I stole off of YouTube. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, let's do it. Let's do a little retrospective because it feels like since 2016. Everyone's been like every year is like this is the shit year like goodbye, let's get rid of it you know C- can you even believe it and this one obviously for many many reasons I don't want to make light of the troubles that people have suffered this year of course because probably the one of the most challenging years I've seen in my life you know in generations yeah yeah right so i get all of that sentiment of you know fuck 2020 let's get rid of this let's move on but i think if we're going to go into the new year with a fresh look you know and optimism we should be optimistic about some of the things that happened you know because they will carry forward and i feel like again with the caveats that this was a really bad year for a lot of people and the loss of life was terrible yeah Um, I think if you flip the perspective, I'm a I'm an optimistic guy. You know, I try to remain optimistic. If we flip the perspective, this is really like a year of science when you think about it. A vaccine in less than a year? Pretty That's incredible. It is, well, pretty incredible. And I was looking, um, some friends asked me this week about questions about the, the regulatory process in, in Europe which is normally, you know, a 15-month or, or longer affair. And actually the first um, official interaction between um, the Pfizer-BioNTech collaboration and the regulators in Europe was the start of July. So, you know, that's you know to even start in that conversation of, hey, you know, that conversation is going to be along the lines of, hey, we've got something that we think can help. How do we go about registering this? That's pretty impressive just by itself. And then the fact that, you know, I don't want to be waving the flag for the UK here, but the fact that we were the first nation to be uh, rolling out that vaccine in the world. Um, yeah, Brexit pretty, worked, actually, right? We were well, all wrong. Brexit well, worked. You guys, Brexit, you, you Brexit threw off the shackles of the EU regulation and got the vaccine. <laughs> well, Brexit is uh, officially 17 hours old right now, so we'll see if That's it's right. working. I might be starving to death by the end of the week, but... Um, <laughs> The port's all closed, but um, I'll ship you some care packages if needed. Thank you. Um, but yeah, as you said, you know, to, to turn around a vaccine that time is incredible, but to even within months of it really becoming 
a global pandemic because okay the first cases were in 2019 the end of 2019 but it became mm -hmm. a global pandemic in march march april yeah. yeah um you know within three months of that to be having conversations with regulators in europe to say hey we've got got something here how do we go about doing it that to me is the incredible part yeah and so i wonder if this and I think that's the thing. That's the thing that I would say about this challenging year, the pandemic, all that stuff, is that if you don't look at it in terms of lessons learned or lessons to be learned or, you know, the way that we can do these things better in the future, then it is, then it truly is a shit year and we've we've done nothing, you know. But, I mean, it's, as we as I talked about in the episode I did on the vaccine for people that maybe haven't heard it, but the point... You know, it's not like this thing was created just this year. This technology is not that new. And that was, I was trying to make that point. I think it's an important point for people that are hesitant about getting a vaccine because they're like, it's rushed. It's too early. You know, this mRNA technology, the adenovirus vector vaccines, they've been in the works for years, decades, really, since like 2000, 2005, something like this. So that in itself is like the normal process of science. It's taken a long time to get it. But to see that it works, you know, and fairly well, we still have questions about whether it stops transmission versus just keeping you sick, blah, 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 all that. But to show that, you know, the technology was ready, the platform was there, and then to be able to just sequence a virus that, that appeared out of nowhere, plug it into this new platform, this new technology, and produce a vaccine that quickly, that's the real promising point because it really bodes well for any other disease that wants to you know try and come and mess with us it's like we we should we should be able to combat these things much faster and now i'm the, i don't want to tempt fate by saying yo diseases come at us bro come at me bro bats come at me bro i'll go out there lick bats no problem yeah and i i think as you said the year of science and i i think what's really both amazed me and gives me there's a lot to be down about last year but I think there's also a lot that we should look at the positives for and I, you know I think the focus and resource obviously was purely on this it affected everyone globally um, and because of that everything got thrown at it but effectively you know fingers crossed if this vaccine works and we it'd be a bold step to say eradicate this virus because it's a coronavirus and that's not going to happen. But if we eradicate this disease, um, you know, that's pretty much, you know, we've eradicated like what smallpox and, you know, I can't remember polio keeps being eradicated or officially yeah. declared, you know, non-infectious. Hang it on there. It's a fight. Yeah. But to do that in such a short space of time is fairly incredible. And that, that to me says, well, hold on, what else, in a world of science, if the world of science now says, right, we're going to pick something else. So, right, tomorrow we are going to pick lung cancer or melanoma or we're going to pick diabetes, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the focus of the world scientists on it, in a year's time, could we say, right, well, this year we're going to focus on lung cancer. So yeah. come the end of the year, we've, we've got rid of it or we've managed it. Well, and I think that's one of the important lessons. I mean, the technology side of, you know, aside – because the mRNA technology could be applied, not just to vaccines, but to cancer, to, um, you know, other sorts of genetic diseases, inherited diseases. Like there's a lot of uses for this technology. So, so to see it 
successful and you know rolled out and when we're, we now have the more and more safety data every day we get more and more data on what people might react to it in what ways and that kind of thing um that's one thing so that's great we already but we kind of already had that in envisioned right like the scientists kind of already knew that we could use this technology for this that and the other right um but i think the lesson could be for you know hopefully for the public for politicians that kind of thing is exactly what you said look what happens when you put your mind to it like when the whole community gets behind something and that should say a lot i think about what do we want to prioritize it gives us a chance yeah. to reflect and say what do we want to prioritize because look what we can do if we put our minds to it that should be the message you know is that a lot of these challenges that we're facing are shitty challenges climate change you know different diseases all of these things but it's like we've just proved yet again that humans <laughs> with our intelligence can overcome some pretty incredible things but with the caveat but we all got to get behind it you know there has to be a lot of you know unfortunately this this shit costs money you know and we're seeing, you know, companies did this vaccine where they normally wouldn't have because they knew that it wouldn't be profitable. Vaccines are not normally profitable, right? And that's one of the takeaways people have from big pharma and all this stuff. It's like they only want to cure your symptoms and they want to keep you buying the pill and that kind of stuff. And of course, there is problems with the profit model, but we saw, and I mean, I guess maybe you could say this is a small part of, you know, give give credit to the Trump administration for flooding the money at them at the vaccine development process but that's it like you see that the like a partnership of public and private money can make something work and i don't know i, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned on that well and I, I we've touched on this before but i think this is a chance to press reset or at least press pause and reflect a little bit on well actually do we need to change the way that we work and and not just in science but in all ways of doing things because mm -hmm. actually is there now a chance to say well actually we could change things do things better you know i think take something totally away from science city planning you know what we've shown is that the majority of people actually now have jobs that can be based remotely so yeah you know the, the big sort of commercial centers that i've been to recently are like ghost towns there's nobody there so actually, is it time to remodel those? And yeah. you know, does that then link into the advent of the electric car and you, we do away with roads because we're not going to need roads there? And, you know, we could really embrace this and say, do you know what, let's make this a whole thing for positive change. And, you know, from Little Acorns, Big Oaks Grow, let's, let's press reset and, and restart on everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. As you said, it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of focus. And my... my the caveat to that is, well, actually, there's a lot of things we could be working on now, and we can't spread ourselves too thinly. So, you know, yeah. let's keep some yeah, yeah. focus, but let's take the opportunity that while it's there. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder about that about the the idea of working remotely and uh, if that changes things and the way that we develop cities and stuff. I would hope so because I think that you know, well, there's there's kind of two two. Um, the double-edged sword on on that point in in my mind at some in in some ways because it's like the idea 
we did learn that yes, we don't need to be in these huge office buildings to be doing this work. Like we can do that. So that is potentially a waste of space and resources in terms of heating and like building these things and electrifying them and all that stuff. But the other side that we've all learned from being isolated and doing things on cameras is how shitty it is to be isolated and <laughs> and just do things on camera. Now, when it comes to work, yeah, sure. I think a lot of people would benefit from not being locked into this rigid nine to five. I go to work, you know, when I'm bored, like I'm, I'm seeking relief from boredom. So I'm sneaking off to the toilet, pretending to shit or shitting <laughs> and looking at Instagram or whatever, you know, where it's like, if you could adapt your work schedule that actually fits around you and your family, you know, your kids, obviously we still need kids to go to school. They can't be doing this on, you know, but as adults working and you can develop, you can build your own schedule. You're a, you're an adult. You don't need to. You don't need to have a manager looking over your shoulder, being like, "Are you doing your work? What are you doing there? What's on your screen?" You know, um, that I think is a good thing. But as long as we do that, and that shift is in the service of giving you more time to be with friends and family, because I think that's the other lesson that we learned this year is how important connection is. And we've already talked about this um, in for years now, I think, on this podcast about how that. You know, the way that we're doing society and stuff is leading to, you know, a lot of mental mental health problems, you know, because we feel a lack of connection. There is a lack of community. There's a lack of purpose for a lot of people. But if they, instead of trudging into the office every day, doing the job and sort of being surrounded by people but being isolated, were able to do their job, but then do it around their schedule and actually find time to do these other things maybe that's it. I mean, that's also a very overly optimistic view. And I know that people will say, you know, not everyone's going to make that choice, you know, to fill their spare time. If they all of a sudden their time was liberated, you know, to build community and stuff. So it has to be something that like you show, you know, if we're going to redesign cities, we're going to redesign the way things go. I think that should be the, one of the focuses, let's redesign it with a way that we offer people more connection, more community. Yeah, well, there's a few things as you were talking. I was, just, I was hurriedly jotting down uh, notes there that were coming to me. So I, I, I think, I think the piece, you know, I've I've worked remotely for the last ten years, so the whole pandemic didn't change a lot for me, other than the fact of when I wanted to go out and have my socialization time, whatever people weren't there or able to to do that because I wasn't allowed, and that actually was that for me was the tough point where actually it showed actually I do you know. I couldn't go back to working in an office full time, but actually I do need that social interaction at the end of the day or at some point during the day. Um, but I think when you said about having people looking over your, your shoulder of what you're you're working on, I think there are, and throughout my working life, I've probably changed. So at one point I was somebody that needed somebody there, not over my shoulder telling me what to do, but somebody, you know, pushing me all the time. Whereas having shifted to working from home, I've learned actually I need to motivate myself and I've mm -hmm. got you know way better at doing that but i was um a couple of weeks back reading an article about how now that we are shifting to working from home the technology will shift as well so mm -hmm. yes you'll have your supervisor but you'll have a virtual supervisor in that there's already companies out there the software is already there to monitor keystrokes and time oh, online wow. and activity so that sounds terrible exactly exactly and even you know how do you hide from that you know? yeah 
you know, monitoring, well, actually, this person's not been pressing the keyboard for the last 20 minutes, so they're probably being lazy, so dock them 20 minutes pay. And, right, yeah. You know, Big Brother is is over your shoulder, and I and I think that will fuel into, and what we need to be careful of is, and you touched on there, the next pandemic after this viral one, I think is going to be the mental health fallout, because I think mm-hmm. we've already seen, as you touched on, that we are social beings and we need that interaction and not having that there pushes a lot of people into a, a dark place or in, in, you know, mentally into the wrong place. And I, you know, that's, I think, I think we're going to see fallout for this for the next couple of years of mm-hmm. what's there. I think the flip side of that is now it's not a taboo subject or not as much of a taboo subject yeah. as it used to be to talk about, you know, mental health was always very much, you know, you kept it to yourself and you didn't want to talk about it. And if anyone did talk about it, other people ran away from you. Whereas I think, it's been so front and center now. I think mm-hmm. now is the time to put a spotlight on it and say, actually, this is something we need to be mindful of. We are social beings. We, you know, we need that interaction. We need to take care of one another. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best ways I've seen that happen over the last nine months with the pandemic is the sense of community. You know, I, in my my parents' generation, neighbors were best friends. You know, growing up the neighbors on either side of us were anti this and uncle this yeah, 100%. not being relatives. Whereas, you know, for the first 20 years of my, well, the last 20 years of my life, I didn't even know my neighbor's names. You know, you didn't, you know, maybe wave at them if you got into the car in the morning, but you certainly didn't stop and talk to them. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. during this whole pandemic, that's changed. Now you look out for your neighbors and they look out for you. And the sense of community is, been one of the highlights for me in 2020 and in getting to know people better and developing that more. And I, I hope that continues and mm-hmm. we learn from, from last year and carry that forward. Well, and I think it, it's one of these things we're talking about these things as like, you know, I tend to talk about these things in these big sweeping societal things, you know, this is like super optimistic, you know, Pie in the sky, big set guy. The buy, set the buy, set the buy, set the bar high. Flash, yeah. Well, but I, but I think to your point right there is, is it's exactly like it starts local though. You know, yeah. you you start with your neighbors, you start with 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 things like that, and it and it grows. You know, it's a ripple effect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and that's exactly it, right? Like you could sit and look at this whole situation from purely the negative side, and like we said, there's a lot of negative to go around. Yeah. But if you don't look at it from the positive side, if you don't see that those, you know, there's these things that were, that are being made evident to us and also that you're realizing, hey, you know, even if it's like people realizing um, maybe for the first time what someone who struggles with mental health issues might feel like, you know, because that could be, that. I feel like that's probably happened to a lot of people who, if this pandemic never happened, would never have any idea what's what that's like but they've gotten just the tiniest glimpse of it from being isolated at home or whatever and the stress that that's put onto their family or something like that so even if they just take that and say you know moving forward i now have a uh you know an idea of what someone else might be going through that's a that's another good thing that's another positive thing you know yeah and i we, as we said, it's a ripple effect, and I think we need to learn from it. And I think if, when at the start of the pandemic here in the UK, you know, we were clapping on the doorstep for our, you know, it started off being for the NHS, the people, you know, the doctors and the nurses and the healthcare assistants on the front line, and 
and then it grew into actually a clapping for the essential workers the people in the supply chain for food and think you know because suddenly we saw how fragile things were yeah, yeah yeah you know ultimately despite all our technology and our houses and cars whatever you know we're not that far removed from you know being in a tribe and living in mud huts and going out to hunt and forage for food every day you know we're the same we're the same creature we're the same exactly. thing we're the same animal yeah exactly that and you know I, I think the big thing from that is you know look at you know if i look after my neighbor he's in a better place to look after me and he might then go well i'll pay that forward and i'll look after somebody else and then you get that ripple effect that just makes the world a nicer place and i, I think like now when you're out and about you there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, aren't they? There are some inconsiderate bastards out there, and there always will be. But on the whole, I think people do seem just a little bit. There's just a long way to go, but people do almost seem a little bit nicer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's you know my view of humanity has always been that like put a percentage on it, but like let's say high eighties, nineties, whatever, are on on the same page that do unto others as you have would have done unto you, you know, um, respect for people and all this stuff. I mean, every, in the, you know, when push comes to shove, you got to kind of look for yourself sometimes and, and that kind of thing in your family, you get all that. But it's like, I feel like my view has always been that, that like most people are good people. They're on the same page. And I think that that holds true. Um, and that this pandemic may be just, reinforce that for some people or may help them realize that because and i think this is important and we'll, let's jump to this too because you we tend to focus only on the negative and only on the shitheads and there's been a lot of shitheads a lot of people screaming at grocery store workers you know and bus drivers and all this and i think that's this to go to the positive point jump back to the positive point real quick um I think that, you know, these decent, good people that I think most of us are, you still kind of get complacent in not realizing the importance of someone who's working a minimum wage job that's stocking the shelves with, gro you exactly know, with groceries, that. that's driving the bus, that's doing whatever that, that thing is that you, you don't think about. And it's not even that you think of them negatively, you know. Like I said, I think it's people, almost you don't think about them. Don't I think, think that's the thing, and now all of a sudden we do. And I think exactly. that's the positive. Yeah. Thank you for pulling me through that as I tried to <laughs> philosophically hey, ramble effect, my friend. I'll pull you through. You pull me through. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think, and I'll move us slightly forward a bit, a bit more maybe. Um, I think the other thing that we saw, and we've seen it coming over the last year, and you know, we've always said you and I are the saviors of modern media. But I think what we saw, yeah, obviously, what we what we saw last, or what I think we saw last year, was more of a realization on the power of social media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's been you know the last few years we've seen elections won and lost, and other things you know dictated to by social media. But I think we, as a population, have started to realize actually there's a lot of power in this, and we need to. Freedom of speech is brilliant, and fantastic but at the same point there has to be some controls for one of a better term that makes it sound as if you know there should be a dictatorship that yeah yeah, yeah. a propaganda machine 
but there has to be some control. And we saw Twitter putting, you know, controls in place and notifications on tweets by, you know, certain people and over certain <laughs> topics, basically to say, you know, there's no evidence around around this because it just runs a mm-hmm. a myth. And I, you know, we talked about being nicer to people. And you know, I was chatting to somebody the other day, and they were they're saying the big thing with social media is it's it's you're doing it from a distance and it's anonymous, isn't it? So if if I walk into the local pub and there's somebody there talking crap about my local football team or hockey team or whatever, if I know them, I'm out of a laugh and joke and pull them up on it. Chances are I won't. I'll sit there and I'll have my beer and I'll carry on my conversation because you don't want to cause trouble because it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Whereas on social media, you know, somebody says something about your hockey team, it's very easy to jump in and call that person all the names under the sun and get mm-hmm. really personal and nasty about it. And then it just snowballs and everyone pitches... It's like you wouldn't do that in real life. Exactly. There's no consequence. But you wouldn't do that in real life. So why should I hide behind my phone and my tablet and my computer and and be an asshole? It doesn't doesn't compute. But I think, to me, towards the end of last year, we started to gather that a little bit more as a race and as a species. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I want things to carry on, you know, things looking forward for this year, let's keep that going, people. Let's, let's be nicer online as well as in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's just like, there was a couple of things, you know, uh, that Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma, like there's been more of a conversation around, you know, what are we doing with this online social media thing and how is it affecting us? And I think that's an important thing to keep moving forward because that was, if I had to look at the, you know, uh, I'm trying to be optimistic and everything about the about the year. That was the most, I think, troubling thing to me. Diseases, that's a biological thing. That's something that we know that happens. You know, that's and this rise of conspiracy theories and the distrust in truth and science and stuff. Yes, it's a it's a biological thing in that it's it's psychology. It's there's all of these things, but it's like that is something that I never thought about as much as I did this year, you know, and that to me is, is really troubling. I was reading an article before I, we jumped on, uh, full disclosure, I only got halfway through it, but uh, they were doing a, it was NPR and someone else was doing a poll of Americans, of course, sorry, America, but you're just the shining example that we all use. We're all the same, but you just get all the attention. Um, but it was something like, only 37% or 37% of people that were polled in the U.S. could not definitively say that the media and their politicians were not satanic pedophiles. <laughs> you know, and it was like only only 17% of people firmly believed it, which is a small, like, you know, that's a small percentage and that's good. But there was 37% of Americans polled that said, that heard the statement, is the media and politicians controlled by a cabal of satanic pedophiles? And they went, hmm, you know, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. And, 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 and I get, I get the, 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 there's a lot to be upset about politics and media. There's a lot to be upset there. But when you go down that path, you're not focusing on the real problem. You know, you're inventing another boogeyman that just, 
you know, distracts you from the real issues and stuff like that. And that's one thing. But then the other thing is like, this has real world, world consequences, as we saw in terms of public health. And that's a fascinating uh, dynamic of human people, of human societies that to me, you know, again, like, I don't want to sound morbid or whatever, because obviously it's very dangerous and it's, there's bad consequences, but this has been a really interesting exercise to watch, you know, in terms of uh, how people have responded to certain public health information and the situation and how it's been communicated. And I had the great conversation on one of the episodes uh, earlier in the fall of 2020 with uh, Sarah Bell, the anthropologist who was working yeah. in the Ebola in Sierra Leone, in the Ebola outbreak. And that was really interesting just to see. And it made me think about how, you know, part of this is on, you know, it's part of this is on the communication aspect, the communicators, I would say. It's easy to look at these people that are, you know, anti-vax, anti-mask, you know, coronavirus isn't real, blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's easy to say, wow, look at those dummies, you know, and a lot of them probably are, but that doesn't solve the problem. And when I talked to, again, early, earlier in the fall, Jay Ingram, the Canadian broadcaster, science communicator, he's been, you know, famous in Canada, been doing it for years, decades. He, we, we, we both kind of thought that, you know, there's this middle ground of people, you know, because the social media exact, like amplifies the poles of both sides of any position. So there yeah. is a, a middle ground of people that we need to speak to. And they need to be spoken to, I think, in a way that's accessible, obviously, which is what we try to do on here, because, you know, we are those middle people, you know, we talk, we want to talk like people talk, we don't want to try and sound smarter than we are, you know, we're bringing good information, we do our research, all of that, it's verified. But that's it, that's part of it. And it is that if they're not given, if people aren't given that sort of outlet, that sort of trusted source of information, then the, the the extreme poles that are shouting at them start to become more attractive or start to, you know, sway the opinion. And especially in a time like a pandemic where really, again, 80% of people, 90% of people aren't these crazy anti-mass people or on the other side, they're not the, the, the this is going to kill us all. We're all dead. Like we got to be, you know, there's this middle ground and they just want to know what do I need to do to keep myself, my neighbors, my community safe? You know, that's it. Right. And if, if the messaging is more directly targeted to that and the measures, there's constant, you know, update of look at, this is an evolving situation. It's going to change. We have to be prepared for change. You know, all of this stuff. I feel like there was just such a better way that we could have done it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was maybe this is the way it's always going to go in in big human societies. I don't know, but it was an interesting. It made me think a lot about how science communication is done, public health information, the audiences that are consuming this, and then of course social media plays a huge part in in this whole conversation because it is the hyper propaganda machine. You know, it, it is targeting you know these things that are evident well, in society. Fear and, and yeah, and uh, and we've talked about you know headlines before and you know 
attention-grabbing headlines. That's a lot of the problem with social media, isn't it? You know, everything that's there, okay, you might have a blog with 20,000 words on it, but it's that first line or that introduction that is going to grab somebody's attention. And basically a lot of social media is is all based on headline. You know, every, mm-hmm. everyone is tweeting or posting a headline. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then that steers the conversation. That You know, that headline attracts certain people or certain viewpoints, and then that it just snowballs and grows exponentially from there but did you think that some of the health messaging from like you know governments and stuff like that was similar in a way in that it was like it didn't explain the nuance and again this is kind of what i talked about with sarah bell is like it didn't explain the nuance of things and i think you know to give them credit i think the idea is that like look at we don't have time for that maybe people won't understand it or something um so let's just make these blanket statements you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, these are closed, this is closed. But then in reality, when people, because people actually know a lot more, and this was Sarah's point, they know a lot more about disease than you think, because it's it's something that has affected us all. We all, we all understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then when they see the incongruencies in the, in the advice or in the policies and stuff, it starts to weaken trust overall. So I thought that that yeah. was a really interesting point in that it's like, well, no, let's not just do this headline, you know, well, we have to just do this and, you know, but no, give people the information because especially maybe on a, maybe on a tweet about politics or, you know, quantum physics or something, people aren't going to read the whole thing. But when it comes down to there's a pandemic going on, I think people are going to pay attention and we should have, I feel we could have been more, I say we, but you know, um cognizant of that and like trustworthy of the of like give the audience some trust you know like you guys know that coughing yeah. on someone is gross and that that's how colds are spread so masks make sense don't don't buy yeah. the don't buy the ones that the nurses need but throw a bandana on your face or whatever you know rather than this this message at the beginning that was like oh no you don't need masks and then they come out and say well we did that because we didn't want people to yeah. So you're either lying there or that's a well, bad think, mistake, you know? You know, I'm going to give, I'll give governments the, the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, we're in unprecedented times. Nobody's dealt with this and everyone got caught off guard, you know, and you can argue, well, they shouldn't have been caught off guard. You know, we knew it was coming for months in advance. But anyway, yeah, it's unprecedented. We have to give some, some space and room for that. But I think you're right around the messaging I think early on, if, you know, and I'll speak about the UK because that's where I've got more experience. But we, well, we know, all know what in, a great communicator Boris Johnson is. Well, exactly. If if Boris can't communicate it to you, then you're probably <laughs> dead, or you know, not worth communicating to. Um, but you know, early on, it was you know very you know as you said, very simple. Here's the soundbite. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know, thank you very much. But I think the the flip side was then everything locked down. So in lockdown, it was very easy to say, well, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And it was easy. I think where I've seen the messaging fall apart now is halfway through lockdown or towards the end of lockdown, they start to evolve that messaging, you know, getting us ready for the next stage of life with coronavirus. And that was fine. But they, as you said, they didn't explain the thinking behind it. Mm -hmm. The the phrase here, here in the UK was, oh, we'll be led by the science. Well, that's fine if you take science as an isolated thing. But the trouble is, as a government, you can't do that because you've got the economy to worry about and you've got education to worry about. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So effectively, if you listen to the science, the science says lock everyone down, don't let everyone outside, and the virus will go away. Yeah. 
but you can't do that. You yeah. know, we, we're in a society we can't can't do that. And yeah. I think a lot of the time, where I think, and the point you you raised today in in your earlier podcast is an interesting one of actually, if you had time to plan for that and you had a PR machine around it and a marketing team, how would they manage that messaging? Because I think it would have been a lot better if they just said, right now we need to do this and this is why. Mm-hmm. And again, make it bite-sized chunks, and those people want to click a link and go and get more information because they're data-driven. Brilliant, but I, I think most people, the majority of people, not most people, but a majority of people are very much. If you tell them you must do this, they want to know why. Well, exactly. That's that's... and they want to buy, and they won't do it if they don't buy into that idea. And you've got to sell that idea to them. So just telling them, yeah. Cover your face, wash your hands, stay at home. You know, yeah. Give the logic behind that, and I, I think that's. I think you're right. I think that's where the messaging fell down because they just dictating. This is what you got to do. Yeah. Natural reaction for most people is, well, I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah, I think it's. I was. Yeah. You tell someone to do something. The first question is why. Why do you want me to do that? Like that's how you start as a kid. That's how we all, we all maintain that throughout our lives. When someone tells you to do something, you say, why? And the most frustrating thing is when you don't have an answer for that. You know, you can look at like all sorts of, you know, power structures and, you know, with the military or, you know, a sports team or something. If you're not given a reason for why you're doing it, it drives people mad, you know, and that's it. And I, you know, I get it. Our, our the science and our knowledge evolved with the pandemic. So mm-hmm. early on in the UK, we don't need to wear masks. It's all contact. It's contact driven. Yeah, that's how people are catching it. So wipe the surfaces down. Use hand sanitizer. Keep washing your hands twenty seconds. It'll all be fine. And the question was asked: Do we need to wear face masks? No, it's not airborne. Definitely don't need to. Well, obviously, then we do some research. We see well, actually, no, there, there is a degree of airborne. Piece it right, okay. Well, then the it changes, but I don't think that that certainly wasn't communicated in the mainstream media here. Well, actually, the science is updated. I think also because they didn't want to spread panic. Suddenly, yeah. it's an airborne virus, and everyone thinks to horror movies and things and panic. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, there, there could have been a better job there. And I, I think when we we're going to get you know the vaccines being rolled out, we're all going to be fine. You know, we can look back and you know with our retrospective lens and say, well, let's learn from this. And I think one of the learnings will be actually in future, we need to work on the messaging that comes around this mm-hmm. um, and how we, we get that out there yeah. better. Can we utilize social media in a better way? Mm-hmm. Because it's the majority of people I would say are getting their news or their information from social media now. So is there a way we can use social media for good and use that power and that influence mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for positive change? But yeah, you, know, you and I live in an ideal world, Flash. And hey, we're doing. I feel like we're doing what we can. <laughs> we're the heroes here, really, right? And there's the ripple effect from there, hopefully. Yeah. No, I think it's yeah. We can sit here and say they should have done this, they should have done that, and it's it's easy for us to sit here and 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 say that we don't know what the pressures were, what the decisions all were, and stuff like that. But again, it's it's this point that these are things we could learn, right? And that's. That should be the point of 2020. That should be the message of 2020 is what do we learn from this? How do we go forward making things better? Because, yeah, it was an unprecedentedly unprecedentedly shitty, weird year. But this, you know, 
we're 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 here to focus on the positive and what we could learn and if we don't do those things then then yes then the year was that it remains that but it could be the learning year the the tipping point year that changes us into something else um and well and hopefully inspire you know what we've seen is science isn't a bad thing science potentially is finding us a way out of this as matt damon said in uh was it the martian mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna science the shit out of this yeah you know hopefully this inspires kids as in when they can get an education because schools are shut or whatever yeah. <laughs> to go kids. into science and technology and maths and engineering yeah for um, sure for sure that could be the other thing too right is that we could be and then you know maybe these scientists aren't always the you know the great media personalities or the they don't necessarily want to be the spotlight but like let's look back on this year and say hey look at those scientists that developed these things that brought us out of this you know these are the the heroes or the doctors and the nurses and you know that were improvising treatments and figuring things out and you know learning how to best care for the patients and stuff like these are people to aspire to people to look up to rather than you know i guess no real offense to the kardashians but you know what did they do during the pandemic <laughs> i don't know i don't follow them but i assume they showed their butt yeah. on instagram and made a million dollars um okay let's okay let's let's move to because i think that this is a good way to move to you know what we normally do and so let's give the listeners a bit of uh you know what we normally do the cool science story you know something science news and uh being optimistic about last year and science a year of science the other thing that happened that maybe we all forgot about was a lot of space stuff yeah there was some big accomplishments in um spacex sending the rockets up i don't even i don't i don't even follow it as much as i think most people do but i think china brought back uh rocks from the moon there was rocks, rocks on the moon. We had yeah, the first was... commercial, effectively the first commercial space flight to take astronauts to the space station. Right. Um, asteroid mining satellites were out there. Asteroid mining, yeah. Space was a big topic last year, and it kind of got overshadowed yeah. by by coronavirus. Big yeah. year for space. And I, I think that will continue. You now we've already, you know, as we we touched on, you know, SpaceX. There, I think we. I think one of the last episodes I was on, we talked about the the big rockets and the new engine technology that they're using right. there to potentially use for you know Mars flights in the future. The Starship, you know, that's not too far away. The Starship, indeed. Um, so yeah, interesting. And one of the things that I picked up on the news the last couple of days, um, you know, we all want to be green and more envir environmentally friendly to look after this planet. Um, the Japanese are already looking ahead. So they're looking within the next two years to launch wooden satellites, Flash. Would you believe this? Um, the idea is to try and cut down on space junk. Wooden it's satellites. Wooden satellites. That's so incredible. apparently it's it's turning into a bit of a shit tip up there, you know, because there are all these old satellites and, you know, some dick has flown a car up there circling <laughs> around the, the planet as well. But... Yeah, the, um, the worry with all this is a huge problem. I think we might have talked about this maybe even like years ago on the on the yeah. Show. But it's like you, it's to the point where if someone wants to launch like a rocket up to get to the space station, you have to time it around windows in, in, in the space, space in the space debris, the space junk, space garbage, screw, yeah, pieces of metal, uh, dead satellites, all this stuff. It's just 
whipping around it. Well, and I, I know there was talk at some point. So during lockdown, you know, because there, there was a lot of SpaceX launches and the Starlinks and the space station was visible with the naked eye mm-hmm. over the UK quite a lot last year. So I, I kind of followed it quite a lot last year. Of course, I can't remember any of it now that we're doing a podcast on it. But um, classic. But there was a there was a story last year we're talking about actually will somebody get awarded the contract for collecting space junk? Right. Yeah. Wasn't there like a, a yeah. plan for like someone had a plan for like a magnet or something to put it up? There? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. Um. So yeah. So the Japanese. So it's it's um, wooden satellite. collaboration between wooden satellite. So it's a collaboration between uh, Kyoto University and a forestry company called uh, Sumitomo, uh, I think it was Sumitomo. You nailed it. Uh, forestry, I think so, yeah, my Japanese is on point. <laughs> um, so they're basically saying within the next two years, they're planning to launch um, a wooden satellite. And obviously, the from their point of view, the benefit is it's made of wood. Um, so it's a, you know, more natural resource. Mm-hmm. Um, but the plan is, obviously, once that satellite's reached the end of its life and it falls out of orbit, it will totally burn up in the atmosphere as opposed to what happens now is some bits burn up, some particles get trapped in the environment, and actually they're worried about the buildup of the debris and particles in the in the atmosphere around, right. around the planet. And then obviously the fact that there are showers of debris falling upon the Earth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, 70% of the Earth is water, so the majority of these debris fall into the water and don't hurt anyone, but the chances are, you know, if the debris keeps building up, it's going to start falling on land, and then you know, well, then come on, you're going to get wiped out by. That's not, you know, I'm sure some seal got nailed by a, you know, bolt falling from the sky. Well, <laughs> maybe fish maybe. or something. <laughs> well, but then you know, some obliging person would come along and club it to death anyway. So. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so this the forestry company and the university have basically said it's an R and D secret, um, but they're basically developing. A type of wood um, that'll be used. So um, one of the yeah special wood um, to get it up there. Huh. Um, make your own jokes about that one as much as you want, listeners. I was going to say um, you don't have anything there, Brad. You get nothing. <laughs> I've got plenty of wood, thank you, Flash. But you know, it's it's not going to go up into orbit anytime soon. And it ain't not that special to you anyway. Ooh. Ooh, it's been cultivated and specially grown at the right time, though. Um, <laughs> But the professor that's leading this, um, Professor Doi, uh, D-O-I, um, he actually was um, up on the International Space Station in 2008. He's an astronaut. Mm. Um, and actually one of his, as if being an astronaut isn't claimed to fame enough, um, he was the first person to throw a boomerang in space. And it was a boomerang specially developed for microgravity. And it came back? Um, apparently so. Wow. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um so yeah, watch this. Watch this space. Wooden satellites coming, coming to a space. So you know, next time your kids are out in the yard and they're you know building space rockets out of wood and whatever, and you all chuckle and laugh, say that won't get anywhere. Well, potentially it, it may in the future. It may. Yeah. Interesting. That's so. That's really cool. I mean, I assume that this, it still has to have some electrical components, depending on what its job oh, yeah. is, right? Like it's got to have yeah. like a camera or a sensor or whatever it is. Um, and then I'm curious too about the special wood and the process of that. Is it like, you know, wood fiber, you know, so there's some kind of manufacturing process or is it a, uh, you know, genetically modified type of wood that you grow in a lab or something? Interesting. 
Well, you know, and it's Japanese, so we, you know, they just fold it a bunch of times, or they slowly cultivate it over years and years, and it's a bonsai satellite. Oh, well, I was going to say, you know, technology always gets smaller and smaller. So maybe it'll start off the size of an oak tree and end up the size of a bonsai, which you kind of set me up for and kind of stole at the same time, Flash. But that's maybe why we should have talked about our jokes beforehand. But, you know. That's yeah, it's not how we do this show. No, it's not. <laughs> we don't like to come in with any sort of level of preparation. But, yeah, I think space could be a big one big one to watch. You know, there's um, talk of, you know, manned missions back to the moon soon. Um, the discovery of resources on the moon. Will there be mining on the moon? Yeah. Um, I know there was a, a claim a couple of weeks ago, um, actually about people claiming the surface of the moon. Oh, yeah. Um, because they actually can project a laser onto it, and therefore that means they've altered the surface of the moon, and therefore it's theirs. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were some major. There were some major space stories last year. Um, and hopefully once the whole pandemic thing's out of the way, we can sit back and think about space a little bit more. Yeah, well, and it'll be, uh, like we said, all these lessons we learned about or that we could learn from the pandemic about cooperation and things that we do if we put our mind to it and that we're all in this together and all that stuff. Hopefully we apply that to space and we don't see, you know, too much fighting over space. But if we do, we'll be here to talk about it. Well, and obviously, you know, the U.S. have already got their space division, haven't they? Yeah, space uh, force. Space guardians. Yeah, so, you know, watch the space. I think this is a poignant time to point out that, obviously, we last year did lose a pioneer, and I know we we gave him a a shout-out at least once last year, but, you know, we're talking about space exploration. You know, we we lost in February last year Mad Mike Hughes. Um, You know, some of you avid listeners may... May remember Mad Mike Hughes is uh, the guy based in the US who invented the steam, well, didn't invent, but used the steam power rocket to try and um, put some weight behind the theory of the flat earth. Yeah. Um, but but unfortunately, uh, died last year. Um, so I, I think. Was it 2020? You know, when we he talk- died in 2020? Was it February, February 2020. Wow, yeah. So so I, it does. So you know what, though? I didn't miss him. Well, you say that now, but you know, next year with all this space exploration going on, we're not going to have Mad Mike out there, yeah, claiming know, blazing the a trail across Great. the sky for the rest of us. So, you know, I think science and the space community in general will be worse off because of his loss. So, I, you know, I, I want to give a shout you out. are just far too kind yeah. to Mr. Mike, I must say. Well, you always have been. You got to, you got to cover all bases. I don't think there's enough podcasts. Dedicated to the flash, eulogizing flash movement. Flash. <laughs> so uh, get on board. Um, if we're also going to look forward a little bit, I know we're not we're not going to do our usual thing of predictions this year, but um, I will say it's been a very quiet year from Professor Cannavaro, who yes. is the head transplant guy. Anyone which... that has followed this show since the beginning knows that we have been watching this guy since the beginning. Yeah. The man that claims he can do the head transplant. He, what else did we report on? He built the special knife for it. He did. Uh, and but developed techniques for regenerating spinal right, cords and right, nerves. Right. Um, all alleged. So, because we have seen all, not a lick of proof. Well, and that's the thing. I've, I've done a quick search before we came on, on air, Flash, and there was very little coming from the Canavera camp last year, which makes me think either one, he's dead which I don't think is likely that's not been reported yeah. 
or two. Something big is coming in 2021. This is it. And we've been doing this for what did we say? Three, four years now. This is going. This will be the fourth year, and we've been. This is one of the stories. I think we have. Ebola and head transplants. That's been the constant of this show. That's what we will be known for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so watch this space. I, you know, we're not doing predictions, but if I was to make a prediction, head transplant, something big, something big. I'm not saying a full-on head transplant. I don't want to go too far, but something big is going to come from the Canavera camp this year. At this point, shit, I'd be impressed if he sewed somebody's ear back on. Well. Or, or put an extra ear on. Maybe. Yeah, that's actually better. Yeah, third ear. You know, let's yeah, let's push let's the boundaries. Give him a challenge. You know, Mr. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Scaramanga had a third nipple. Yeah. Somebody should have a third ear. <laughs> well, what's the guy from Princess Bride? He had six fingers. Let's give a guy another finger. Well, that's just a guy from you know the Deep South, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, America. Sorry, the Deep South listeners. <laughs> I, I had to find somewhere that you know. Easy pickings. I could have said somewhere in the UK, but there's just not enough of us here to, to pick up on. So my yeah, apologies. it's true. Maybe that can be a, a resolution for 2021 is that we give America a bit more of a break. But I don't know if they've earned it. Well, let's see. You know, the, was it 19, 19 days, 20 days to a new administration? So we'll, we'll see if that's a turning point. Who knows? Maybe Biden will be better. Maybe it'll be worse. You know, I... I didn't vote in the U.S. elections. I don't have a vote in the U.S. elections, so I Ooh, don't have any here. political allegiances either way. So. Wink, wink. Or I, did I, I voted vote? three times? <laughs> did I vote? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's, what's going to happen now, Flash? Our listenership's going to go up because we're going to be cited in the court case yeah. now by the Trump administration. I'll sign the affidavit. Well, this Canadian, this British guy said they voted. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if he gets the podcast more listens, I'll sign the affidavit. <laughs> Hey, and then we get our legal team all over it, and we'll be That's fine. That's right. They are a crack team of legal beagles. Well, they got to be better than the ones that are doing the <laughs> doing the fraud investigation. What you mean? You mean the ones that were making up references? Yeah. You see that? That was farting on yeah, camera. One, I mean, let's... yeah. One judge. One judge coming back saying there is no such reference to this case. You have basically made up a reference that. That is just incredible. Say anything with confidence and people will believe you. Hey, that should be the tagline of the show. Hey, it's got me where I am in life. So, Right on, man. Well, here's here's to the new year. Let's raise our glasses. Everybody, cheers. Thank you all for listening for the past year. We hope you stick with us for 2021. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. We really enjoyed doing this, and we're going to keep doing it. So... Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a big year, both, uh, you know, well, personally for you, Flash, potentially a, a new listener coming into the world uh, sometime soon, hopefully, which will, you know, double the listenership, which will be fantastic. <laughs> um, so I can only echo what you said, you know, listeners, if, we, if we've learned anything from this, be nice, let's use social media for a, a force of good, uh, and to that end, um, you can use social media to contact us, so... Um, you can hit the show at Too Brad for You. You can hit me personally at Bradley W Hayes um, on Twitter, and um, the show is also on Instagram at Too Brad for You. Flash, if they want to uh, touch you up, hit you up, get in contact at B Van Paradon. Uh, and the show has an email to Brad for You oh. at gmail.com. You can email the show. 
Wow. Even I'm learning stuff on a daily basis right. at this point. Is that where all the money in the checks get sent into Flash? Because I no, sure no, no, no. That's the uh, you know, that's a account in Barbados, offshore. Cyprus okay. or some somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure my I'm sure my cut of cash will come in sometime soon. Yeah, so. Keep waiting. Yep. Yep. I, I am. <laughs> I'll invite you to the villa down in Cyprus one day. <laughs> I look forward to it when we're all allowed to travel. That's, right. That's probably why you've not invited me before, Flash, because the pandemic is curved in international space travel. Space travel, air travel. And this villa may or may not exist. Who knows? Well, probably got some sort of cloaking technology. <laughs> all right, ma'am. It's been a sign. Until next time. Until next time. Take care. And you, sir, and you listeners. Bye for now. the end of this beverage mm, mystery beverage it's in a mug but it's christmas time so it really could be anything that could be straight whiskey for all we know it could unfortunately it's not straight whiskey <laughs>